Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and in today's episode, I'm actually going to share my own guest appearance on the Wits and Weight podcast with Philip Pape, where I speak about what it truly means to find balance and moderation when, when it comes to training and nutrition and what sustainable weight loss actually looks like. Tune in, and if you enjoy the content, do us a favor and share it on your social media or give us a rating and review. Thank you so much. Now on to the show. I think people sometimes struggle with is when they hear oh, your diet needs to feel sustainable, but then we put them in a calorie deficit. So by definition, that shouldn't be mm. sustainable because they're consuming less. So even though I try to show people, hey, the style of eating should feel sustainable, but you're com quote unquote complaining that you're really hungry and it doesn't feel sustainable. Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and this twice-a-week podcast is dedicated to helping you achieve physical self-mastery by getting stronger, optimizing your nutrition, and upgrading your body composition. We'll uncover science-backed strategies for movement, metabolism, muscle, and mindset with a skeptical eye on the fitness industry so you can look and feel your absolute best. Let's dive right in. Wits and Weights community, welcome to another episode of the Wits and Weights podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome nutrition expert Lisa Franz to the show. Lisa and I met through podcasting and the nutrition coaching industry, and I had the pleasure of recording an interview on her show, the Nutrition and Life podcast. Lisa and I will discuss the importance of breaking the extreme diet cycle, how to find sustainability and balance when it comes to nutrition, training, lifestyle. Lisa will reveal how to maintain a healthy lifestyle as we age, strategies for being consistent while traveling, and principles of effective training. She's also going to share her personal experiences and insights on how to create a balanced life without feeling guilty, deprived, or sacrificing your well-being. Lisa has a master's in exercise science, health promotion, and nutrition, and is the CEO and founder of Nutrition Coaching and Life. She's also the host of the Nutrition and Life podcast. Lisa teaches people to navigate their own nutrition so that they know how much and what to eat, whether they want to lose weight, gain muscle, or recomp. She believes that learning to work nutrition around your life is one of the most important aspects throughout this journey. Nutrition should enhance one's life, not make it harder. Lisa, it's great to see you again, and I want to welcome you to the show. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I'm also looking forward to this conversation, and I want to kind of take a step back and ask you about your personal values. Like what is it that drove you to start helping people navigate their nutrition and then eventually start nutrition coaching in life and your podcast? That's a great question. And uh, to make it really short, and it sounds quite cliche, but still um, my personal values and also the values of the company Nutrition Coaching in Life is simply to help people improve their lives, whether that is through physical changes, through getting them to be more active or mindset changes or simply learning to be more present and living every day as if it was, you know, the best day. Um, that is, the, those are all great strategies, but simply to put it in a nutshell, to help people improve their lives. And it, it couldn't be more simple than that on one hand. And on the other hand, people struggle with this, right? Um, and 
you know, one, one of the things I admire about you and your work and your podcast is you focus on helping people understand the what, the why, the how. And I do listen to your podcast now. And one of the most recent episodes you have was about protein powders. And sometimes you get into these technical topics. Others are a little more general or about mindset and, and so on. So besides other coaches like me who geek out on that stuff all the time, <laughs> why is it important that everyday people who are just trying to, like you said, improve their lives, learn about these details and get educated? Because in the end, we only have one life. And if we don't enjoy our lives, and I, I truly believe that we need to continuously work on improving ourselves in order to enjoy our life fully and long term. Yes, we can have immediate pleasure, but it's different um, if you have long term goals, long term visions, and you continuously climb a ladder as opposed to having these highs and lows. Um, and, and I think in order to do so, nutrition plays a huge role or how we feel it provides us with mental clarity it provides us to be able to perform as best as we can whether that is mentally or um physically and i myself have experienced what it's like to feel like nutrition is consuming too much of your life too much of too much of your thoughts in essence um and also what it is like to feel restricted through nutrition so i as you introduced um, me nicely um i believe nutrition should enhance one's life and should enrich experiences um as we will possibly get a little bit into i myself I, I i travel a lot i love exploring different cultures i believe food is so much more than just nourishment um it is social aspect it is community it is tradition it is culture and if we do it wrongly then of course all of that can lead to us being overweight or having a quote-unquote sugar addiction or you know whatever it might be um and then eventually we don't enjoy food as much anymore or at the same time the um background that i have is more from like a restrictive side so i always thought uh, i need to eat less i need to train way too hard um i went through various very restrictive diets like cutting out carbs completely um paleo um really low fat like whatever it might have been and i always thought this cannot be it food is so amazing why do i have to like completely restrict myself and I cannot have that cake at my uh, friend's mm -hmm. birthday party or whatever because I'm low carb or like and eventually I found uh, out more uh, or learned more rather about um, calorie balance and how it really all just comes mostly down to that yes of course food quality matters but still mostly comes down to to calories and ca calories out and I found immense freedom with that and so I guess that is part of the reason why I just want to share that with people to help them enjoy everyday life while getting the most out of it mm. and um, find that freedom as well. Yeah, you touched on so many themes there that will resonate with the listener and myself. And as you and I talked on your show that we've, you go through years, maybe decades of experimenting with all these things because you may not have the information or you just haven't had the clarity. And a lot of what you talked about there was shifting even how we look at food, right? We look at it as a form of fuel of performance. You talked about mental clarity, not restricting and having freedom. And the irony here is I often hear from people who are maybe a little bit ignorant about it or haven't you know, been struggling that the types of tools we use, whether it's counting macros or something else, 
seem restrictive and seem um, difficult. And yet those are the very things that teach us the skill to give us the freedom. Would you, would you kind of agree with that philosophy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even though I just said, um, you know, everything more or less, uh, everything in moderation. And I believe, Mm -hmm. believe we should enjoy things. Um, there has to be some form of healthy restriction. And of course the research is very clear on this also that, um, technically any kind of diet quote unquote works, uh, when it comes to weight loss and people should just stick the one that they can or pick the one that they can Mm -hmm. stick with the best. So that's not to say that for someone else, a low carb or a keto or whatever diet doesn't work. It just really was not for me. Um, and so again, um, you mentioned the point of education and how I like to explain things to people. And I think, um, most people are just going to adhere or, are going to adhere long-term and adhere better if they understand why they do what they do. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned too, and um, what sort of tools they have the possibility to have. So f- the reason why low carb was so restrictive for me was because I thought that that was the only way I could lose weight. And I thought that that's what I had to do. And then once someone explained, you can restrict carbs, but you could also restrict fat and in the end you know pick your calories pick your evil and it doesn't have to be the one thing the one day and and for the rest of your life you can choose your tools um I was like, whoa, that's like mind blowing. Okay. I didn't know I had all these different options. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you also hear since you talked about the low carb and and low fat or you can go any way. I think there's also besides misinformation, there's almost deliberate straw man arguments that are made for some of these things like, um, well, you know, if you cut out carbs, you're going to lose weight. And when you look at how we define carbs, that's where we get into tricky situations, right? Where somebody says, yeah, look, pizza and donuts are carbs. And you're like, well, wait, it's not just carbs, it's carbs and fat, and it's highly palatable and very dense and all, you, you, you start adding all these parameters to them. Um, so, but people then gravitate to these things because they, they're kind of easy to understand and grasp onto. Um, and that, but then before long you find out that, Oh my God, I have to constantly like say no to things and be the weird person at these social situations. So this extreme dieting and this cycle of dieting, right? Cause it's not just one extreme diet. Probably if you've tried one, you've tried many over and over again. What are some of the signs that someone is, is just stuck there and spinning their wheels and then how can they break free and do what you're saying and find this sustainable approach? I love this question. And um, I think deep down, even though many people are perhaps not not always that honest with themselves um, in the sense of how unhappy they possibly are with this up and down. But of course, A, we're going to see some physical disadvantages as in weight goes up and down all the time. And mm-hmm. I mean, who honestly is really happy with that? If it's unintentional, especially, it's especially unintentional, right? Yes. Like <laughs> if you, if you constantly like over the holidays, you gain your 15 pounds or whatever, and then you crash diet and then you just for your next vacation, and then you gain the gain 20 pounds back. And, and for most people also, it's not just a yo-yo back and forth. It's also a steady, but slow in, yeah. in incremental incline or increase over the years and that adds up to poor health. And um, again, if we're honest with ourselves, when we have those extra 20 pounds, we're probably not feeling that great in the gym. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we're that super restrictive on the other end, we're probably also not sleeping that great, maybe not in the best mood, maybe not covering all our micronutrients. So 
in the end, it comes down to, I think, realizing that for most people, at least a general moderation where you don't have these huge fluctuations is probably better physically, but also mentally. And most people that come to us, they have recognized that more from a well I guess from both sides but also from a mental perspective where they just say like I don't I don't want to feel guilty about eating that Mm. or I I still want to go on vacation um at the same time um but what I have done in the past with this and that strict diet I couldn't do that and so like we hear all these things and um yeah my methods or what has worked for me and for most of our clients also is well a that education piece that i mentioned earlier in the sense of it's really don't let's not look at food as good or bad it's all just food right there are things we should have more of because there are more nutritious denser in micronutrients and probably not as dense in macronutrients um, and then there are other foods that are should be that should be more like the occasional type food and um, but in the end you're technically quote unquote allowed to eat anything that you want Um, You have this and that budget, just manage it like you would with um, an income or so. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part number one. For a lot of people, especially if they come from this year-long restrictive mindset, of course, it doesn't click right away. I mean, uh, an attitude towards food that you have possibly adopted from when you were a child onwards, um, you know, if your mom always used to tell you, oh, carbs are bad, 20 years later, just because I tell you, carbs are just food hmm. it's not gonna suddenly be like oh yeah okay cool i'm just gonna eat all the carbs now. cool to cool one out of the last hundred fitness influencers they said says this different thing it's gonna work right <laughs> yeah exactly no so the uh, the key here it really is um a slow and incremental um i guess almost demonstration of it's okay so let's just say if someone starts with really low calories like maybe just because people always use that number, 1,200 calories, whatever, uh, and I calculate what their calories should actually be. I'm not going to say the next day from tomorrow onwards you have to eat 2,100 calories. That would be absolutely insane, and most people would not do that. So, you know, we might slowly taper up those calories. On the other hand, also, when it comes to food quality or eating out and fears around that, I might encourage them and be like, hey, once or twice a week, I do want you to go out with your husband or with your friends and have a meal out. I don't just want you to eat at home all the time because you're afraid of gaining weight from eating out. What we can do is that you show me where where you plan to go and I would show you, you know, what is possibly a good pick or um, how you could estimate for how much that is, etc. Or small quote-unquote treat foods or foods that they're specifically afraid of instead of them thinking uh, I'm off my diet now I'm gonna have um, three pieces of cake maybe we can just get into the habit of like sharing a piece of dessert with your husband on date night or mm-hmm. so so it it really is that slow um, taking that fear away and then perhaps you step on the scale the next day or two days later and you see like oh okay it's actually still pretty much the same or still trending down even though I ate what I thought was bad so like I for instance used to believe again carbs would inherently lead to weight gain and yes I mean of course if we look at them carbs binding to water etc initially an increase in carbs can make the scale go up Mm -hmm. but 
it's not fat weight. So learning that and seeing the data, that's where I think data comes in so handy where you can be like, hey, let's look at those correlations. Actually, um, truthfully, you're, the scale is still trending down. So yeah, it takes time. Yeah. And, and you just you just laid out like five very, really very good models and ways to think of this because 99% of this game is up here, right? It's mm -hmm. up in the, if it's on the, up in the brain. And a lot of what you were suggesting, let's get into specifics. You said, think of it like a budget, right? It's managing like an income. And I love that analogy. I use it all the time myself. Some people have challenged me on it because yeah, there's differences between every analogy, but the idea that with a budget, you can spend your money however you want, but you only have this much money and you only have this, you know, these buckets. That's a great one. You also said that your attitude ingrained from childhood is it's like a slow ship that you have to turn around. It's very difficult. So we can't expect overnight success, which led to your next concept of slow and incremental demonstration of it's okay, of taking that fear away. I'm just, I'm parroting this stuff back to you because it's gold, like for the listener to realize that this is not a quick fix, but it's totally doable. And when you say slow, you're, you're still only talking a few months, you know, mm -hmm. or even a few weeks in some cases with the right coaching, which in the scheme of life is dropping the bucket. So uh, I, I love it all. And then, and then meal planning and so on. We talk about that a lot on this show, totally aligned there. And the correlations, you mentioned data and looking at correlations, your weight might go up and down two pounds, you know, one day to the next, but what's happening in your waist size? How do you feel? What are your, what's your pant size? You know, uh, did you eat like a slice of cake and actually lose weight? Like you can't, you know, you have to figure it all out. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm just, I love this, uh, Lisa, I'm just restating things and I'll, I'll get to a question now. <laughs> sure. Um, so, okay. So we're talking about sustainability and we talked about misinformation. So is, are there, con this is a very individualized approach, right? So sustainability itself is a flexible word for the individual. Would, would you agree? And how do you find, how does someone find their form of sustainability? It certainly is incredibly, um, individual and um what i think people sometimes struggle with is when they hear uh, your diet needs to feel sustainable but then we put them in a calorie deficit so by definition that shouldn't be mm. sustainable because they're consuming less so even though i try to show people hey the style of eating should feel sustainable but you're quote unquote complaining that you're really hungry and it doesn't feel sustainable. So while we're trying to lose weight, still acknowledging that hunger in a dieting phase is to be expected, even if it is the quote unquote right diet for you. <laughs> and it's almost, it's more of a signal of like, hey, this is working. Your body is actually burning more than what, what you're intaking. So um, we cannot fully say like in a dieting phase, you sh it should feel sustainable but nonetheless again the mm. style of eating um so like the foods that you're eating overall and the method should feel sustainable and i think a really important part here is um the consistency part so learning for people that it's okay to be consistent 80 to 90 percent of the time and those other 10 to 20 percent of the time not feeling like they messed up not feeling like okay, now I can take the whole week off, not feeling like um, they need to be perfect all the time. I think that can take a lot of pressure off. And at the same mm. time, that can uh, give us a lot of contin contingency. So if we have both of that, if we just realize it really does come down to what we do 
the majority of the time. And if every now and then we go above calories, if every now and then we're not meeting our protein needs, if every now and then food quality was a little bit lower because you're traveling or whatever, that is okay. But mm, don't let that mm. trip you up and just keep going. So consistency oh, and, con and sustainability, yeah. I think they just go a hand in hand. And once you learn that it really doesn't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. Nobody is perfect. Nobody can be perfect all the time. I know we hear it all the time, but when it comes to nutrition, I think still most people have that picture in mind that they, that we always feel, need to feel great and need to, yeah. you know, like put the best effort forward. It's just, it just doesn't happen. Oh, I you said so many great things there as well. And the one I really took from this was how if if you're in a fat loss phase, it is true. We couldn't be in a fat loss phase forever. That's not what we're talking about, sustainability. And you're right. You have symptoms like hunger and so on. But you mentioned that the principles, that the types of foods, those are what's sustainable. And another way to look at it that that rang true to me was we use this periodization of fat loss and maintenance and muscle building to also make it sustainable mm -hmm. as opposed to just randomly going through life, reacting all the time and feeling like you have no hope. So that's what I got from it, Lisa. And I, I know, you know hopefully a listener hears that. that. That's very powerful, very powerful statement. Um, so then that leads to maybe balance when we talk about you said being able to eat whatever you want, but not indiscriminately. There's some restraint to it. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about the mental side of it and the training and the periodization. So how do you define balance with all those things, nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, and why is that so important? Um, yeah, balance in and of itself, the word I think is so often abused also um just we hear we are like a work-life balance and i know we're probably going to talk about that in a little bit also but for me balance when it comes to food is just um once again not going overboard like i'm i'm um, a big proponent of stoic philosophies and and the one of the stoic principles is temperance is moderation and i love that unfortunately this is not a concept that in modern society is um very <laughs> we love like even the you know tv and whatever is basically telling us you're gonna gain 20 whatever over christmas and this is your period of time where you can go all out um and uh, at the same time then they're advocating for the next diet pill and whatever so again from often not necessarily young age onwards but like from a societal standpoint we are encouraged to go overboard on the weekends, go overboard uh, when you're on vacation. Mm. Um, but that whole principle of like, hey, maybe let's moderate our portions. And it's we don't have to have three appetizers, a huge main, and everybody a single dessert. Like, why can't we just like share a little bit and then have a main? And then um, maybe today it doesn't have to be dessert because you had some alcohol. So um, I think it's really hard to grasp. But I also believe that once people see how good it feels uh, to live in that moderate place that they don't want to go back. So hmm. initially quite often when um, people perhaps observe my lifestyle or other people that have been practicing moderation for some time, they think, oh, you're 
a bit uptight most of the time. Like, why don't you just let loose? Uh, or you're very disciplined, right? Like you're, yeah, you're a, exactly. like a monk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or why, yeah. why, why do you want to stop after two glasses of wine? There are still three bottles to go. Right. The and peer I'm, pressure. <laughs> I get it. It's great right now. Like, why do I need to keep going? Like yep. two is my limit. I know that for myself. Why can't I just, you know, stop right here. Um, but then after a while, if people get to know you better and they see how, that then maybe the next day that allows you to get up early and train oh that's actually pretty cool as opposed to laying in bed for half of the day mm. um, and, and and so on like I often hear like oh you're so consistent with everything that you do yes moderation allows you to do that if you constantly go through ups and downs and extremes I believe that that is what causes periods of um, well, I guess, uh, where, where you can't train, yeah, where, yeah. You, where you're just fatigued, where you burn out, etc. So I guess to answer your question, um, balance and moderation, something that you have to practice again, like yeah. it really comes down to that. Yeah. You're the way your the way your mind works, Lisa, I, I really, I really admire, I can tell you're, you're well read, like you, you really dig into philosophy and think about these things because, um, you you just defined balance as not living in extremes all the time, which it's interesting because you could say that one extreme balances out another. And you're saying that, well, in that moment, you're not balanced and you're constantly living in a state of imbalance in the extremes, which is, again, a subtle but profound concept. And But you also said practicing moderation. Now, my challenge w would always be to a statement like that. Well, how does someone get there in the first place, right? And you mm -hmm. said, go by how it feels. Um, I just did a, an episode about why you should track your food and the number one, the number one um, reason or not number one reason, the number one tactic was how does it make you feel? That, that was where I started. And that resonated with me because I see clients all the time who they'll say in their check-in, my win this week was I, ha I ate such and such at night. I didn't feel great the next day. You know, because they're adapted to a better, you know, higher quality food. And they're like, and I just don't want to eat that anymore. And that kind of reminded me of that, of you you build it and you learn the discipline of temper, temperance and moderation. It's not like you just sort of turn a switch and have it. So it's, um, that's such yeah. a good point. I do want to add yeah. one thing here because it, you said go by how it feels. And I think the tricky part is that um, for the most part, we, again, speaking as like a society, have mm. um, mislearned, if that's a word, mm. um, yeah. to 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 really listen to our um, body, our mind and yes. how we feel. So um, my encouragement there is to a slow down, like in a social setting, slowing down and adding pauses. That always sounds like so weird too. Um, but, but still it helps so much because you cannot observe how you feel if you don't pause to observe how you feel, right? Like mm -hmm. again, your example right there said the person, the person observed the next day how mm -hmm. they felt if they perhaps would have stopped after whatever two plates of food that they had or a glass one or whatever, and just thought like, do I really need this next plate or right. drink? Maybe they would have said no. Maybe they would have said, yes, I don't know. But at least having that opportunity to change the behavior, we need to give ourselves that. So slowing down would be part number one. And then also like being more present, observant and mm. pausing from time to time will be part number two without those two you cannot shift that pattern of like just um following what you have always been doing or following what um society tells you to do you know you're on it's friday night you're supposed to just go crazy and and mm -hmm. drink what you 
one. So um, no, uh, it, it really is being present, being in the moment, slowing down and asking yourself, do I really need this? And then of course, lastly, it really comes down to practicing to say no more often. And that's yeah. a really yeah. unpopular and unsexy concept because we might lose friends in the process of that. We yeah. might, um, you know, it, it, it really demands some big habit changes sometimes. But um, in the end, learning to say no more often. And, and you can say no in a really polite way. You can say, oh, hey, no, thank you. I don't need a second helping. This was really delicious. I mm -hmm. really appreciate it. Maybe I can take something home. But right now, I don't want any more. And, you know, some initially some people might try to push more on you or they might be offended or whatever but sure. it's okay just realizing this is going to pass at least i'm going to feel great tomorrow and the day after and whatever and th that person's probably going to forget about it in five minutes like, it's true it's true yeah no <laughs> yeah. don't don't be a people pleaser and some people are more prone to that than others even in addition to the situation you mentioned perhaps the people they live with or are around all the time kind of just habitually doing things that sabotage them maybe not intentionally but they sometimes have to have that difficult conversation of here's how you can support me and just understand I'm doing this for my health but there you you laid another truth bomb for us there Lisa about um slowing down and using pauses and it reminded me I always like to tie things to other topics like you did with the budget but when it comes to podcasting, talking to people, even debating, whatever it is, slowing down and listening <laughs> is a very important skill. And what you're saying is slow down and listen to your body because it's trying to tell you things. So maybe I'm just silly coming up with these analogies, but these are this is what com comes to me no, when totally. you think about it, right? Um, so what what about you personally, Lisa? We haven't. I know we kind of brushed over the opening statement and then moved on into the questions. You know, you're you're a business owner, you're a coach, you're a podcast host. Um, you're a great person from what I can tell. How do you balance your life? How do you balance your nutrition, your training, your relationships, your emotional health, all of the things we've talked about to make it all work? Um, so, yeah, again, in, in this context, really, I think the word balance is super tricky because okay. um, we're often of the understanding of like, it, it should mean that all parts of life are equal and that's just right. totally unrealistic. So point number one, we need to acknowledge um, that we go through different stages in life and that balance is going to shift. I, I either I like to think of it as like a bucket and you only have that one bucket and you can distribute it, the in, the things in there however you like. You know, like sometimes it might be uh, a, a glass full for work and two glasses full for um, personal life and half a glass for emotional life, whatever. Like you have this this amount and you can distribute it however. Um, of course, ideally, we should have a little bit distributed in each one of them at all times. Um, but as a 20-year-old, of course, you, you and single, you might have a lot more energy and drive to put that towards um, your physical health. Um, in your 30s or when you have children and whatever, it might go more towards family or sh should potentially go more towards family at different stages, even throughout the year or even throughout the month, the week, um, your work might have to take up a lot and you're, you have to dial your physical training back to the minimum. So I always, I like to make sure I have my minimum uh, covered on all bases at all times. Um, I won't lie, my lifestyle is probably reasonably unique and um, uh, well, in A, that I'm, uh, I'm, I, I live alone. I 
travel. I'm a digital nomad. So I uh, don't know a lot of people around me most of the time. Like my family is remote also. I see them uh, once a year for a couple of months and then very intensely. But otherwise, it really like my relationships, I guess, are probably rather few in comparison to a lot of other people. And I don't have family. So, you know, I can devote all my attention mm -hmm. towards my physical health and my business, which I love. So that is very different to most people. I think especially a lot of our clients, they often say, I'm struggling fitting in my workouts with all my kids. And of yes. course, um, I think no matter who you are, where you're at, one of the most important things you can do is get super clear on your priorities and like mm. re-evaluate them on a regular basis. Because again, they are going to potentially shift places a little bit um, on a regular basis and that's okay or actually it's demanded sometimes mm. so if you're clear on your priorities it makes saying yes or no to whatever comes up so incredibly easy so I, I just share like one of my priorities is my physical health and like pushing my training I get joy out of it and so on so if someone would say to me like, hey, uh, Lisa, tonight, Friday night, there is an open mic at 11.30 at the bar. You want to come along? I'd be like, nope. I don't have to think about that for a second because I want to be in the gym tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. <laughs> so, you know, for someone else who's like, well, uh, I, I don't know right now, like my family is my yeah. focus. It, it, it might also be an easy decision because you should probably spend, if your family is your priority and you've been yeah. working all night long, you might want to go to the bar tonight but since you said your family's your priority, you should probably stay home, have like a pizza and movie night with them instead, and then spend the weekend with them quality time as opposed to sleeping in tomorrow morning and, you know, whatever it is. So totally. just being really, really clear on your priorities, I think it makes everything easier. And then you can shift those, um, yeah. right, then you can establish your own life, work, whatever balance. Right. Like shifting calories around, you know, for the day. <laughs> yeah. I Shout out to Felipe. I know Felipe for a long time and I know how passionate he is about healthy eating and body strength. And that's why I choose him to be my coach. I was no stranger to dieting and body training, but I always struggled to do it sustainably. Philip helped me prioritize my goals with evidence-based recommendations while not overstressing my body and not feeling like I'm starving. In six months, I lost 45 pounds without drastically changing the foods I enjoy but now I have a more balanced diet. I weight train consistently, but most importantly, I do it sustainably. If a scientifically sound, healthy diet and a lean, strong body is what you're looking for, uh, Philip Pape is your guy. Yeah, that that is so good. So again, we're talking the theme of it's not so much balance as um, living moderately within your within your capacity and for the time that you're in, but then, but then putting everything you can, or at least as much as you can into the things that really matter right now is, is kind of the way I look at it. And I like that you're, you're, you're like, we have this permission to not neglect things, but to put them at their minimum for a while while others go up. And by the way, if you focus on something pretty intensely for a while and develop that mastery, it's going to help make everything else easier, right? Like physical health will make, you know, earning your wealth and developing your relationships easier, you know, having healthy relationships will re reduce your stress so that you can, you know, maybe have a, burn more calories so you can eat more and train and so on. So again, this is uh, Lisa really amazing insight for folks to think of it this way, getting clear on your priorities. Oh, one other thing comes to mind there is 
I just told a friend of mine yesterday, I said, man, does it ever stop? Like when we're going for mastery in, in anything, do, do we ever stop to the day we die? And of course, we're never really going to stop, but you could put something on pause and you could coast. Mm-hmm. And by having focused on one thing for enough to be happy where you are at that level, go ahead and coast on that for a while. You know, keep maintain it, but coast on it. It's a great, it's that's, a great concept. That's a great point. Yeah. I think um, yeah. muscle mass or physical, like training yeah. status is a great example. Like it takes so much more and longer to build up um, muscle mass, but then mm. maintaining it, you actually really don't need that much volume for a couple of months. I think a lot of people saw that over um, COVID lockdowns and they were like, yeah. oh, okay, it might have taken a couple of weeks for strength to come back or for you to feel good again in the gym. But generally speaking, uh, muscle mass is reasonably easy to maintain. And, and again, like with anything else, if you are if you had established a routine and it really has had become an automated routine, getting back into that after a little bit of time off it's reasonably easy as opposed to it's starting true. something completely new. Yeah, no, that's a great one too. I think it's like one, one sixth or one eighth, the amount of like intensity or volume to maintain your muscle mass. So you're right. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's your reward for having gotten there. I, I think of food in a similar way, like once you've added muscle mass and you're moving all the time, now you've got more calories to play with. Well, now it's a lot easier to, you know, you don't even really have to diet technically in the way you used to, because it's just easier. Right. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about training a little bit. How about that? <laughs> training. Absolutely. Okay. Always okay. a great topic. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I segue smoothly and sometimes I'm like, let's just change right now. Next book. Um, <laughs> so I am curious about your perspective because we talk about that a lot on this show. You know, it's wits and weights. Uh, what are some of the, let's talk principles again. You're, you're big into principles, systems, not, not necessarily the methods so much. What are the big training principles that you live by? Um, I, I can pick up from the nutrition aspect from earlier mm-hmm. consistency, like full stop. I, 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 we can preface this completely with just this one word. Um, and um, again, even though we just spoke about taking some time off, <laughs> generally mm-hmm. speaking, though, if you can make it into the gym twice a week for the rest of your life and, and move for like 45 minutes or so, you're going to be in a good place. Like that's already something. I mean, anything on top of that is going to be great. And let's put like walking and sort of day-to-day activity aside. Um, but yeah, those the two, three sessions, three would be even better. And um, that's great. Like I personally, since I have a lot of time, oh, yeah. sorry. No, yeah. no, let's stop there because people need to understand, look, what does it take for the rest of your life to do something twice a week for like an hour or two? And now I want you to ask, how often do you watch Netflix? So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you do it? I think you could do it very easily. Keep going. Very, very good point. And I mean, we're literally talking about like 45 minutes right. to an hour in there. So yes, absolutely. And it makes you feel great. So why not? Yeah. So I mean, um, you, you said with an, and weights and um, I automatically kind of like assumed we were talking about strength training because I'm totally sure. um, of the same opinion, not to say that cardiovascular health isn't important, but um, I think um, most of the time or most of the clientele that we deal with um they come more from an endurance type background or maybe like group fitness style background so the challenge is more to get them into structured strength training pushing the weights up 
increasing rest times and getting away from just chasing the burn, chasing the sweat. And again, I come from, I'm, I'm saying that, or I, I'm now at this point um, because I was somewhere completely different in the past. I have, have more of a CrossFit background. I used to believe if I don't lie mm. on the ground sweating or if something didn't hurt, then it wasn't a good workout. I have come a long way since then and have learned most importantly, a lot since then. And now I know that a soreness really isn't a good indicator for how good your workout was or how effective your workout was. Um, and, um, B in order to improve body composition, to increase my lean body mass, which is so helpful for, um, just longevity, metabolism, like you name it. Um, I really don't need to be doing, or not just that, um, like th those circuits hit training, CrossFit is not the most optimal style, particularly for someone with a stressful lifestyle. Again, yeah. if you are a 19-year-old teenager, whatever, um, who has nothing to do but train and recover and sleep and eat, <laughs> yeah. CrossFit can be a great sport for you. But for most people, um, particularly if you're easily stressed and you don't sleep too well, um, it's likely not the best form for your health or your f physique. And mm -hmm. again, most people that come to us, they are really mostly interested in the aesthetics and of course, longevity. They always say like, I want to feel. Sure. Feel sure. They say healthy. that. And it's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's get you the short term results as well. Just so you know, you know that it all ties together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, to expand further beyond the three, three training sessions or so per week, um, uh, the kind of training split that then follows, I think, is de determined by how much you can train. If you can train more than three times per week, I do prefer often a body part split or upper lower split um, or push pull legs or something like that. Very few people or hardly anybody that I work with trains six days a week, to be honest. Um, but anywhere, like if you do three three days per week or two, I certainly advocate for more of a full body um, split just mm -hmm. because we do want to hit those muscle groups like twice a week, um, like each muscle group. Um, and we're simply more on the safe side with, with a full body split in that regard. Um, but yeah, I usually base my programming around, of course, a little bit of a warm up, but around the compound lifts and then a little bit of accessory work compounds, meaning squats, deadlifts, presses, um, just those big movers where we include a lot of muscle group groups or big muscles um and then the accessories i do think are incredibly important often overlooked and when i say compounds that can also sometimes be for someone um single leg barbell deadlift with very sure, there's multiple yeah right? compounds yeah. compounds with dumbbells and so on yeah exactly mm -hmm. so yep. i do think a, almost everybody has a stronger side and a weaker side identifying that and then kind of balancing things more out with unilateral stuff or as you said with various types of equipment to um, address one side more than the other can be really helpful but yeah i i tend to keep workouts under an hour or around about an hour because i don't think it needs to be more than that and oftentimes the mind starts to drift for people that are already halfway at work or you know, not to whatever. mention the depleted carbs by that point <laughs> yeah 100%, yes oh yeah. so this is great because 
man, for the people listening, they hear this stuff over and over because I, I say it, but I like to have guests on like you that, I mean, we are 100% in alignment. These, these are the bedrock principles you talked about and you just stated them so elegantly. I, I like in one sentence, you said structured, pushing the weights up, increasing the rest times, not chasing the burn. I'm like right there. Those are the opposite of what a lot of people are doing, right? They're not structured. They're just exercising. Like I like to talk about the difference between exercise and training. Training. They're not pushing weights up. It's the same weight day after day after day. They have like 30 second rest periods and they don't realize how amazing it is to have two, three, five, eight. If you're like pushing a big, big heavy deadlift or something, I mean, it depends how strong you are and then not chasing the bird, right? Mm-hmm. If your clients are saying, I'm so sore and I'm reco- not recovering all the time, something is off, right? That's not what we want. So I love it. All the other stuff is great. I'm not going to repeat it, but you know, folks should, should keep listening to this again um, about the value of not just for your physique in the short term, but also your health in the long term. And stress is important. If you're busy, you have a job and kids and family and like, don't be doing CrossFit. Don't be doing maybe a five day, 90 minute a day workout session, you know, training program. I think the tricky part, and again, just sharing from like personal experience, the tricky part for a lot of people is that the training feels great afterwards, right? Like, Mm. especially if you, if you have had that sweat and you're like, Oh, I I feel so good right now with that release of adrenaline and all the rest of it. And so for me, it was incredibly hard to make that connection between like, this is a stressor that can be negative for my body, just like an argument with my partner or just like something at work. Um, because to me, it felt so good. So like, how can something right. that feels so good in the moment or afterwards be bad for me or contribute? And like, I actually thought like, oh, I need this as an outlet. And so communicating that nowadays, it can be tricky uh, to, uh, to, to get that buy-in because yes. we, again, we go by how we feel, right? Most of, or in this instance, we go by how we feel anyway. And so we feel great afterwards. So how is it bad for me? True. <laughs> so, True. Yeah, yeah, the only way to get through there, in my opinion, is, well, number one, education, just showing, yep. you know, the research, the data, et cetera. And then also saying, can we just give it a try for a little bit? There you go. And then maybe after a few weeks, people realize, oh, okay, I'm not waking up four times a night anymore because I'm overly mm-hmm. stressed. I can actually get away with only once or twice and I'm actually not feeling so beat up anymore all the time Mm -hmm. I have energy for my work for my kids and so then once they feel that then you get the buy-in but yeah it can be tricky from a coach's perspective and of course uh, again I understand from a client perspective as well yeah I mean listeners Lisa knows her stuff for sure. So listen to her, listen to me, and then try it and then get the feedback so that it proves to yourself that it works. But you're right. Taking that first step, it's like, if hopefully if you sought a co- out a coach and you're working with a coach, you're open to listening to ch- something that's different and uncomfortable mm-hmm. from what you've been doing, knowing that it could possibly produce a, an incredibly different result. So that's the philosophy you want to have. But if you're, even if you're doing it on your own, experiment, experiment, like just try these things, you know, and see what comes of it. A few more questions, because I'm really loving this conversation. I think the listener is getting massive value from what you're saying and the way you're saying it. So, so then how do you, when you are working with clients, you mentioned all these principles of training. Uh, How do you help the clients find a program that suits, suits their needs? And then you mentioned things like preferences, their capacity, their equipment, all that. Um, And do you, do you actually write the programming or do you work with other trainers for that? Um, no, I uh, I write the programs that we have in our training app. Um, I will say 
I think training is a little bit different or training programs are a little bit different than nutrition. I do think with nutrition, we always have to 100% have an individualized approach. I think when it comes to training programs, the majority of people, like 95% of people are probably going to do great with a good (laughs) generalized program. So of course, uh, making their individual adjustments to it if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's nothing wrong with going online and purchasing someone's yeah, um, yeah. great training program if you if they're a trusted person, you know, um, and it doesn't you don't have to invest uh, into a personal trainer or having an individualized training program 100%. I think the the first question again you should ask yourself is um, how many days can I consist like over time really realistically train? I mean Oftentimes when starting out, we are super ambitious and think, oh, I'm going to increase to five times. Well, let's mm. let's start smaller, right? Um, and then once you but have But let me it, ask, if somebody said, I only can do it one day, would you challenge that? Would you like push them to at least try to do two or would you start at one? No, probably. I, I would probably start yeah. uh, pushing them to two just okay. from the um, also getting them the results perspective, the right? Like results, with one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just from, of course, one is better than nothing sure. and so on. But um, aside from that, with two, they're going to see twice the results probably. So yeah, I just want people to know, you know, it's not, we don't want to make excuses. You know, there's certain minimums for some of these things. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, going by the time that you have available and then assessing your equipment, we have a lot of people working out from their home gym. They have barbells in most cases, dumbbells, kettlebells, that kind of stuff. Stuff. And then a few people, of course, going to the gym. So I think that provides a lot of guidance already as to what kind of prog- program can I purchase mm. and then making sure that the per- program is the duration as well that you want, not a, an hour and a half when you only have 45 sure. minutes. Um, and yeah, then I think, I mean, I'm obviously uh, coming from my perspective here, but then a good criteria should be that there is sufficient rest times in the program and kind of looking at uh the biggest part probably being what is my actual goal also so meaning if you're someone who wants to quote unquote shape their butt or glutes or whatever um and you look at the program and there's only one lower body day in there that's not lining up if you Hmm. if you want right so thinking a little bit like what is my actual goal other than just building muscle or getting stronger or whatever do i have a particular area that i want to or need to focus on maybe you've had an injury years ago and you want to now build up your leg strength maybe you have lower back issues that you need to take into consideration sure. and so like thinking about that having a cl- clarity around your goal is really really helpful when it comes to that also all right, cool. I'm just just taking notes here. This this makes some sense. I like how you mentioned that a a template could definitely work. I agree. I actually just interviewed uh, Andy Baker. I don't know if you know. He's he's a uh, like co-author of um, Practical Programming, and mm-hmm. you know, same. I actually run his programs, which most of them are templates or they're close to it. And you kind of learn to make substitutions and things as you get more advanced and a coach can help you with that. I find that the other thing a coach is really good for is, is your form and technique when you first start, right? Just totally. like, cause that, that's a, a, a chance for, that's a very that, good point. It, yeah. I mean, that's injury, which, which is true. I don't want to scare people about that, but also just being efficient and making progress, right? Doing it the right way. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I do want to add yeah. uh, two things here. So, um, of course, still, if you can't, uh, afford a coach or so mm-hmm. filming yourself is actually incredibly yeah. helpful. Like if you, 
have an exercise video that's attached to your template and then even just like once in a while, once a month filming your exercises, it can provide a lot of insight. Like even for my, I mean, I've been training for yes. like over a decade now or whatever. And, and sometimes I feel myself like, oh, I thought I was not rounding my lower back here when I go into that Romanian deadlift. And then I did like it's, exactly it's just, our body awareness is not that great sometimes. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing when it comes to auto regulation or so of training programs another mistake that people generally make is program hopping too much mm -hmm. or changing things up too quickly so that would be another red flag if your training program would change every week or every two weeks even i think even every four weeks is a bit of a push like i um think there's technically nothing wrong with following the exact same program for 12 16 weeks um if you yeah. you know progressively oh, for sure. absolutely for, for sure yeah no, I, I do get that people sometimes feel a little bit "quote unquote" bored, but again, it's learning to sit with that a little bit. Especially if you if you come from more of a group class, what I will do sometimes is I'll you know give give the clients a bit of a finger or a hand and be like, "Okay, we'll change it every six weeks," you know, so yes. that it's, at yes. least you have something to to look forward to if they're if they're getting too itchy. But yeah, you, to your point of like novices not making too many changes to a program without checking with a Mm -hmm. coach or so but if you're more experienced and you notice oh, every time i do this and that i can't actually connect to my lats as well as if i do yep. that unilaterally or so that's no, that's no issue or changing the equipment that's no issue you know sticking with the general movement patterns and um, i think that's a good idea but other than that as a more advanced or intermediate lifter totally fine to make some yeah. changes yeah. And, and to your comment about avoiding program hopping and not being bored, because I'll tell you, some of my clients know, like the very, very basic starter programs I work with them with are pretty darn boring, right? Like they're very, very, very basic because they're very effective for getting super strong. So what we do is we focus on other things like, and, and before, after about three weeks, they're like another PR, another PR, and that becomes the metric. And I'm cool with that. You know, like if that's their PR, the other thing is, so I'm more, I guess, intermediate, if you will. And I just switched to another program that I had run two years ago and everything is sore the first week, mm -hmm. you know, because you haven't been doing those movements, even if you're strong, it's just, and so from a microcosm, if you program hop, you're going to be getting sore all the time. You're not going to be pushing certain lifts. It's one thing to change accessories on a semi-weekly basis, but it's another thing to just change everything all the time. Right. Totally. <laughs> so, it's Absolutely. fun stuff. I, I love talking about this. Um, okay, Lisa. So uh, tracking, well, no, I don't, I don't, let's not talk tracking. I'm actually more curious about like older folks um, who are like over 40, 40 is the magic number we always use for whatever reason, right? Um, <laughs> what, what adjustments would you make? You know, and, and I want to look at it from a balanced approach, I guess, of on one hand, a lot of things are the same, right? Whether, no matter your, almost no matter your age, no matter whether you're male or female. And then there are things that are different, right? Like hormones change, your lifestyle and your stress changes, your recovery capacity changes. So what kind of, what's your big picture advice, maybe in terms of principles? Um, generally just because someone would fill in an intake form and take 41 rather than 28 <laughs> i probably would not change anything in terms of their training program right yeah, yeah. if they said to me i have already had this many injuries and sure. um, i'm constantly uh, nurturing my lower back or hip or something like that i would approach it differently i mean we have always again still have to kind of consider the individual um more from a nutritional perspective probably i would absolutely make sure that they're 
maybe not on the higher end of protein, but certainly not skimping on the lower end. I think when we're like in the early 20s, etc., we can um, more easily build muscle or build lean body mass um, on mm-hmm. maybe more like 0.7 grams of protein per pound of body mass. Um, but as we get a little bit older, I do like to see it around that one gram. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that would be one part. What I do... Unfortunately, caution, um, especially women as they enter perimenopause and go through menopause and so on, is just um, alcohol, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, The body just tends to be less forgiving. It's it's just a fact. So if someone wants to lose weight, um, consuming more alcohol throughout that time, it's more like driving with a handbrake on. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. It still comes down to calories, et cetera. Um, but because you have those hormonal fluctuations, so that would actually be more um, things to pay attention to. In terms of training, still totally encouraging people to lift heavy, progressively yep. overload, um, <clears throat> and sticking with the same principles, really. Okay. I, I, would, I wouldn't change anything. Maybe, you know, if someone um, really gets up there uh, in age 70s or or higher um really utilizing a lot of balance work maybe incorporating sure. a little bit more coordination things more even more unilateral stuff and so on yeah they've um, got a lot a lot to make up for <laughs> for the many years yeah yeah for sure precisely yeah. but otherwise i think as you said cool. principles remain the same yeah, no, that's great, and and that's what it's all about. Once you have the principles, you can build anything from that. You could there's so, countless permutations. Um, all right, so let me see what else. How about you? What what are you doing in the future here, Lisa? Like, what are your future <laughs> plans, your projects? What do you have going on in your business? Just um, so I I actually have um, three coaches that also work um, for nutrition coaching and life, which I'm super excited about. And there are three amazing ladies. And ex- actually, next month, we have our very first team meetup planned in, in Canada. So I'm excited to meet them in person because I have known most of them for years and mm. um, never met them. It's funny how oh, like with this, I, I love it <laughs> with these internet connections. You feel like, you know, people so well, and then you get to meet in person one day. <laughs> you know, what's going to be, you know, what's going to surprise you is their height. <laughs> that always surprises <laughs> me. Everything like proportions, you can't tell uh, by height. Yeah. That's a really good point. Just yes. wait, just let me know. Send me a message when you tell me if I wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, aside from that, in terms of business and also personally, really, to be honest, just cracking on, continuing on with what we're doing with our mission of um, helping people enjoy their lives more and um, just hoping to get to to reach more, more and more people throughout time. And that's it. I'm I sure truly you will. love. Yeah. I truly yeah. love what what I do, what we do, and um, I I I mean, even in my free time, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I I love reading, research, listening to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would 100% continue doing what I'm doing, even if it was not for to get paid. <laughs> yeah, that's exa- exactly, and that's what it's about. Like, it's a wonderful way to live, and you're providing value and helping people, and then it happens to bring bring some income because you know it's worth something to people. But what matters most is the mission. So. So, wow, congratulations on that. I mean, I, I'm Thank not you. surprised, you know, the way you explain things and your temperament and, um, you know, the education and all of this is is what people need, you know, to succeed, what people need to succeed. So uh, <laughs> I do like to ask this second to last question of all guests. What one question did you wish I had asked and what is your answer? That's uh, I actually had to think about that for a little <laughs> while. Um, uh, 
I guess, yeah, you have actually already asked that a little bit, but nonetheless, I do want to highlight it. Maybe what my own personal struggles are, and I don't think I brought that across um, as well because I was kind of talking like I came from my high horse there. Um, but Not at all. Like... No, no, no. Not at all. I, <laughs> I jumped you right into the topics, you know? It's okay. So tell me about your personal struggles. That would be good context. I, I, I do struggle with being present in the moment. Um, okay. I, I love planning. And I, I, I love the feeling of control. Uh, so planning gives me a sense of control. And because of that, I also get a lot of joint excitement out of planning future travels, planning what the rest of the year looks like, planning where I want my business to go. And then sometimes it's like almost like I go through my to-do and my checklist and I feel really satisfied at the end mm. of the day because I did it. But then I was like, how many times throughout the day did I actually just like really 100% be present with what I was doing at that time? And so, yeah, even uh, I mean, I was speaking to someone about that yesterday, like now when we're at the grocery store, you know, we feel like we can answer a few more texts or emails or whatever. And it, it does take me conscious effort in those moments to restrain myself from doing that or another, you know, numerous um, situations throughout the day. I'm just like, just, just stand here. Just like, just be, <laughs> don't just plan. Don't try to control everything. Just, just be. And that, yeah, that is, um, I think a day-to-day -day struggle for sure. Well, you're my doppelganger, Lisa, because that's you speak everything to me. And so, how do you do it? Because I want to know the answer. Like, what have you been working on, or is there a secret, or is there one thing that's you know the special sauce to doing? Oh, that? I wish there was. I yeah. wish there was. I mean, I do think that uh, I, I meditate every evening to like round up my day, and I go for daily okay. walks. And on both of those, um, they they help me a be present more in the moment, and. B, I'm moving more and more away from like having that feeling of every time when I go for a walk, listening to a podcast. No, maybe today mm. is the day where mm. you can just go out without anything. Just leave your phone here because then oh, you're yes. also not tempted to look at the phone every now and then. And same with meditation. It doesn't always have to be like a guided meditation or whatever. Just, just be. And those things in and of themselves are practice as well, but they carry over into like every minute of the day. So, yeah. Oh. This is so good. I, I always love specifics, right? Because that's everything we do when it comes to coaching is like somebody wants to know how you do this, right? People who've been struggling just don't know what to do. Same thing with you and me when it comes to being present and always being type A and wanting to plan everything. The, the you just said to leave your phone behind or like right there that resume with, with me. I'm like, I need to do that because you're right. You just, you listen to the podcast, you're checking whatever you know messages or how's the podcast doing or <laughs> well that's it and even even just yeah. like that education piece for me like it's a feeling of being productive and of course that feels good to me like i'm doing something learning yes. something and, so on. and there's nothing wrong with that on the contrary right. otherwise people wouldn't be listening to us right now but um it's also again just learning to sit with that stillness that uncomfortable and it is uncomfortable like sometimes even just leaving that from behind mm -hmm. like sense of yeah. anxiety right there yes <laughs> and like no whenever i do 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 leave my phone behind the first probably 10 minutes i'm bored out of my mind i'm like oh mm. i would have taken my phone <laughs> uh -huh. but then after a while actually the creativity starts going yes i'm like my mind just starts drifting i start noticing a bird there so it all it comes over time but we need to like allow that consciously 
I totally agree with that. I because when I've done that and gone on walks, it's like sometimes I end up starting. I speak out loud with you know nobody's. There. I just start talk, talking, and talking through ideas. Or I might practice like one awesome. and maybe that even is trying to do something because again your brain wants to do something. But still, this goes back to your conversation about balance and the things that are maybe down at the minimum, and now you're trying to push them up, and so that's where we need to challenge ourselves. All right. So with that, where can listeners learn more about you and your work, Lisa? <laughs> I'm most active on Instagram. It's at Nutrition Coaching and Life. And that's also the name of the website, um, nutritioncoachingandlife.com. And as you said, the podcast is Nutrition and Life. And um, yeah, but the most act- I'm probably most active on Instagram. All right. Definitely, because you're listening to a podcast right now, go into your app and find Nutrition and Life and just follow it. Super easy. One tap. Do it and you will not uh, regret it. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm going to add all that to the show notes, of course. This was a lot of fun. This was very enlightening. I learned a lot. I know the listener did too, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.